the West Coast Conference? I, I can't say I saw that one coming. So what does it mean? You are Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pac-12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day and your number one source to stay up to date with our media rights and Pac-2-dominated, beloved, and loaded conference of champions. Like, comment, subscribe, rate, review. Please and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. I, I really did not see this particular move on the horizon, but alas, here we are. I'll talk later about why it makes a Pac-12 football rebuild all the more likely as time could go on. And then we've just got a uh, a nice little potpourri, just like a little smattering of topics coming up on the show. But the West Coast Conference, out of left field, out of the blue, out of thin air, however you would like to phrase it, has come in and is going to vote today, that being Thursday, on whether or not to admit Oregon State and Washington State to their conference. You may be thinking to yourself, Spencer, how does this impact football? They've already got their schedule and whatnot. Well, it's impacting sports that are not football. The vote is to add Oregon State and Washington State for most notably men's and women's basketball and a few other sports, but not all of the other Olympic sports. And baseball is apparently going to stay independent. I know that matters to a lot of Oregon State fans out there, as it should. They've won three national championships since, I think, 2006 uh, was the first one. Correct me if I'm wrong in the comment section there. I was a young lad back then. But anyway, so the West Coast Conference has not, this has not officially happened. The vote reportedly is going to happen sometime on Thursday. If they vote to do it, I think it makes a good amount of sense. So the West Coast Conference right now is a league that is trying to hold on to Gonzaga. And the Big 12 is thinking about adding Gonzaga to their conference. If that happens, the entire model of the West Coast Conference kind of goes up in flames because they would then move with Gonzaga gone from a mid-major conference that gets anywhere from two to four bids a year in the NCAA tournament to a league that recently lost BYU as well, would be a low major conference in that they get one bid a year and that's the conference champion. They could be a two-bid league. If someone beats St. Mary's in the title game and the Gales are able to get into the NCAA tournament without it, and that's the only way they've gotten there because you know Gonzaga wins the, the uh, WCC tournament every year. But that's where Oregon State and Washington State could find their homes for uh, for men's and women's basketball amongst other sports. And it makes a lot of sense because the WCC might be trying to cover its rear end if Gonzaga goes elsewhere. And Oregon State and Washington State, if you have a sport that is not football, I was talking about this on yesterday's show. It shouldn't play in a conference that goes all over the country if it's not football. Football should be separate in Oregon State and Washington State if this gets approved and formalized would be operating under that sort of model in which the rest of their sports play in the WCC. A good conference, by the way, to be in. If Gonzaga is there, 
you add Oregon State and Washington State into the mix, it's a great mid-major conference. Absolutely. It already is a really good mid-major conference. I think if you add the Beavs and the Cougs, now Oregon State men's basketball admittedly is uh, better this year than a season ago, but the bar was set rather low. Kyle Smith's Washington State Cougars, on the other hand, not too shabby. So I think you add those teams in there and it would get, excuse me, would get the league up to 11 teams. And then Oregon State and Washington State football would continue playing what is essentially an FBS independent schedule. This would be akin to, once again, as Chip Kelly suggested, he's kind of a smart, thoughtful guy. If you you know pay attention to what he's saying and whatnot, it would be akin to what Notre Dame does. Independent in football, geographically oriented conference for all the other sports. It almost makes too much sense. It makes so much sense, in fact, on the one hand, that it makes me think there's going to be a, a snag. There's going to be something that causes this to stumble metaphorically and not happen. But let's say the move gets approved. Here's what that means for the Mountain West. They are never going to get Oregon State and Washington State as full-time members of the conference. So the Mountain West was looking to add Oregon State and Washington State as basketball-only members for men's and women's hoops in the 2024-25 season. That was then. This is now. If the Beavs and the Cougs go to the WCC, a conference that does not sponsor football for its member institutions, then the Mountain West suddenly has no tie to the Beavs and Cougs, but a scheduling partnership. And, and that's you know great for the Mountain West and creates some fun matchups, no doubt about it. But the Mountain West, their ultimate goal here as a conference should be to either get a reverse merger with the Pac-12 and play under that label and have that conference. Or I think there are a lot of people in the Mountain West community that would say, hey, we'd love to have Oregon State and Washington State come be a part of our conference. We'd love to have Corvallis and Pullman as a part of our regular travel destinations. That is not going to happen if the Beavs and Cougs go into the West Coast Conference. Now, the WCC idea is for two seasons, apparently. That is what they are voting on. So it's a temporary stopgap solution, but it would put an end to the idea that Oregon State and Washington State could formally be members of the Mountain West. But for sports that are not football, this makes plenty of sense. Can you make an argument the Mountain West makes more sense? Absolutely. It's a, it's a deeper, doesn't have a team at the top like Gonzaga, but it is a deeper conference than the West Coast Conference. That is undeniably true. However, if you're Oregon State and Washington State, geographically speaking, the West Coast Conference is a lot closer. You've got Portland, You've got Gonzaga. Well, those suddenly become logical travel partners for uh, Oregon State and Washington State. You have San Francisco. You have Santa Clara, my alma mater. You have Pepperdine. You have LMU. You see how geographically isolated they are? The Mountain West, you got a little bit more travel. And so if non-revenue or Olympic sports are in the West Coast Conference, Oregon State and Washington State, which are suddenly in a financial bind, now that they're not part of the Pac-12 anymore, though perhaps less so depending on how much they're able to get out of the Pac-12 assets, they're trying to save money any way they can. So if you're if you're the Beavs and the Cougs institutionally and you're trying to find the most affordable route that still keeps you competing at a relatively high level, 
The West Coast Conference is a great place to go. And Oregon State baseball can play independent, and that's not going to matter. Their brand is strong enough that they've got relationships with other schools and teams and whatnot. They'll be able to they'll be able to put together a schedule i'd imagine washington state baseball could do the same maybe they would join the wcc in baseball i don't know but the stability that that provides within the athletic department joining that conference and keeping it you know geographically as far west basically as you possibly can is that you give an automatic qualifier to all of the teams within your athletic department and, and so we here as fans think of football and then maybe basketball but especially with these two schools wazoo and osu neither one is a basketball power even less so than in the football sense we think of them as football teams but these are athletic departments that the athletic directors are overseeing they're trying to do what's in the best interest of everybody so minimizing travel costs minimizing the amount of travel time for your student athletes while also giving you a chance to have an automatic berth into the NCAA tournament and compete for NCAA championships. I can see that making a lot of sense. And the Mountain West is probably sitting there going, well, wait a minute. I thought we were going to be friends. I I sent that feeler out to ask you out on a date. And Oregon State said, no, nah, we were uh, we, we really were just uh, in Washington State, too. We really were just doing homework with you. We weren't actually interested in in going out there. But that's all assuming that this gets finalized, which I repeat, as I record the show, has not been. As you listen to or watch this show, that may have changed. So keep up with the news. Follow me on Twitter at Smalls underscore 55. I try to keep you all up to date with all the news as it is breaking over there as best that I can. There is more to get to, though, because... This move keeps open the possibility of a Pac-12 football rebuild. Are you ready for that? We're going to find out. You'll be ready for hiring over at LinkedIn Jobs because when you're hiring for a small business, you want to have as many top-tier candidates as possible to interview. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free, which my dad taught me is a really good price. LinkedIn isn't just another job board, by the way. LinkedIn is a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. And hiring is easy when you have that many qualified candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. That's just one day. That's, you know, one uh, rotation of the earth, you know, and the sun and everything like that. Okay. So I, I'm not an astronomer. If that wasn't obvious, post your job for free over at linkedin.com slash locked on college, which is super easy to do. And you'll get qualified candidates flooding to your inbox, linkedin.com slash locked on college, post your job for free terms and conditions do apply. March madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the locked on college basketball podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I really was caught off guard by this West Coast Conference announcement. It was kept under wraps very well, seemed to catch a lot of people off guard. And 
I don't think it's the worst thing in the world because you're just providing stability to an athletic department for sports that in the grand scheme of things are not the most impactful all the time while also providing a very important incentive, which is an automatic berth to the NCAA tournament. And by the way, shout out to the Washington State volleyball coach. She's going to West Virginia, has been there for a long time, has has been arguably, I, I don't even know if it is arguable, uh, that she's been the most successful coach on campus up there in Pullman for, for quite a long time. So Jake Dickert has been retained volleyball coach. Her name is uh, escaping me at, at the moment, but uh, she had, did a heck of a job up there. She's going over to, to West Virginia in the big 12. But anyway, this is not a show that you tune in typically for volleyball coverage. And yet that's where we're at right now. So I think that for, for the West Coast Conference, it's a great couple of additions because you're picking up the Beavs and the Cougs. There are no football obligations, and Oregon State and Washington State can just do whatever they want. With football, they can do whatever they want, including but not limited to rebuilding the Pac-12. So the reason that I think this makes a Pac-12 football rebuild more likely than it was before, especially on the heels of the legal ruling in favor of the Pac-2 schools is that the Mountain West absolutely would have wanted Oregon State and Washington State to come over and join their conference or to construct a reverse merger. For one year, at least, we know that that is not happening. And I think that that basketball membership that was reportedly offered, but obviously not taken at this point in time by, by OSU and Wazoo, was that was kind of like a, a feeler, a first step, an icebreaker to get those schools to ultimately join their conference. Because if Oregon State and Washington State in football remain independent or remain, you know, the sole proprietors of the Pac-12 conference and whatnot and everything that's that's entitled to with that, if that is the case, as long as that is the case and they are members nowhere else, the possibility of poaching schools from the Mountain West and the American remains ever present. And so in a world in which Oregon State and Washington State have the rest of their sports situated, baseball independent, no problem, basketball and a variety of other sports in the WCC competing for conference championships, geographical stability. John Canzano had reported that you know, he, he talked to a couple parents who more than anything were concerned about the travel than the actual level of competition. You know, it's a step down, sure, but parents and I, I think athletic directors and, you know, the departments that they run are kind of in this mode as well. They want to be able to have more feasible travel options so that, you know, parents and family and people can watch their kids play. And then you're not putting a financial strain on the athletic department. And, and it's easier on the student athletes as well. And, and look, the Mountain West could still make sense if the if the West Coast Conference says, no, we don't want teams that could be transient here. And they absolutely could be. I, I mean, they, they could bolt after a couple of years if another offer comes along or whatnot. I still think, you know, the long term play for Oregon State and Washington State is try to set yourselves up for the next round of realignment in, you know, five to seven or 10 years. But what sport is going to be the most essential for that? It's football. And, and basketball is a part of it as well. But guess what? Gonzaga's in the West Coast Conference. BYU was in the West Coast Conference for basketball. And guess what? The Big 12 has 
discuss the idea or at least kick the can on adding Gonzaga for a while. And they've already added BYU. So there'd be plenty of precedent of having non-football sports in the West Coast Conference and still being appealing to the Big 12. So I think that that is not hindered by being in that particular conference whatsoever. And so for the Mountain West, they have to be looking at this going, you've just, you got to be kidding me. You got to be kidding me because now Oregon State, Washington State have, if, if this move gets finalized, they, they, they will look at their athletic department and say, okay, we figured out everything but football. So now how do we maximize football? Well, suddenly we could have a lot more money than we thought we were going to have previously. And given that that is the case, uh, let's try to work with some schools to pay some exit fees or maybe cover early travel costs or whatever the case may be to try and rebuild the conference into the premier group of five conference in the country, which does have tangible appeal to it. Remember, this is a two-year partnership, potentially, that OSU and Wazoo would have with the West Coast Conference. So that's what the contract would be for. And, you know, they would have the auto bids available to them and whatnot. And in the West Coast Conference, they play, you know, in basketball, probably 18 to 20 team uh, schedules in there. And all that stuff is is good and fine. But it's just for two years. At least that's what is being proposed or potentially voted on. They could always go to extend it. Or if another offer comes along, Oregon State and Washington State could decide, yeah, we're going to not have this be our conference after two years because we're actually going to do a reverse merger with the Mountain West or we're going to, uh, you know, rebuild our own conference and we're going to have all of our teams playing together in the same spot. I don't know. I don't know. There is precedent, though, at least at the FCS level that I'm aware of, for and for a football only conference, it exists. It's known as the United Athletic Conference. It was formed just this year. Oliver Luck, we all know that name, right? He's actually the commissioner of the conference, of the United Athletic Conference. And it has a school that I'm the play by play voice of, Southern Utah University, amongst other schools that range from, from Texas all the way out to Eastern Kentucky. But the rest of their schools, they've got their own conference because not everybody has football. And so two conferences where not everyone has football, they had a dwindling number of teams and they decided, all right, let's form this partnership here. But the rest of Southern Utah sports, they compete in the Western Athletic Conference with GCU and Stephen F. Austin and a bunch of other teams, Utah Tech and the like. So forming a football only conference and having your sports play elsewhere, again, has precedent in college athletics. And so the idea of doing that is very real. But getting back to the Mountain West here, they can't like seeing this because if Oregon State, Washington State decide to rebuild the Pac-12, that is not going to be an all-inclusive endeavor. That is going to be a maneuver in which the conference would probably seek out new leadership from George Klyovkov and his tenure, which didn't exactly go very well. And they would say, okay, we want the best teams from the Mountain West, and then we're going to pull four teams from the American or six teams from the American, whoever it would be. That's something I'm going to explore in tomorrow's show on what a rebuilt pack could look like, who the teams could be, the matchups, the travel partners, and everything like that. But as the Mountain West, you have to look at that potential reality and going, oh my gosh, no, that, that would be terrible. Because then the biggest and best brands in your conference would, in this hypothetical, 
be selected to go elsewhere and you'd be left scrambling in a big, big way and you'd be facing possible extinction and everyone goes their different ways, depending on how many teams the Bees and the Coos would come for in that hypothetical. So that's how I see this potentially contributing to a rebuilt Pac-12 one day, at least on the football side. Maybe they do it on, on, on both conferences. But remember, the other thing as well, and it's, uh, shall we say, more than a little curious in my mind, that the NCAA provides a two-year grace period for a conference to continue existing before it is you know, officially uh, dissolved and whatnot if you're under the 18 threshold. You don't have all the postseason benefits, but you can still be there and just basically be independents under that label and have a chance to rebuild. And this proposal of sending a bunch of sports to the West Coast Conference is for, drumroll please, two years. The 2024-25 and 25-26 athletic seasons. How curious indeed. You know what I find curious as well? That you haven't gone to FanDuel yet. Well, maybe some of you have. Because if you're an everydayer out there, you know that FanDuel is the spot to go. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That is $150 or a nice steak dinner for two, maybe one if you're going to a fancy enough spot. That's what you get if your team wins. You get that in bonus bets with just a $5 money line bet. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use. They got a great interface and there's a wide range of of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and much more. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on, kick off the NFL season and spice up college football bowl season as well. FanDuel official partner of the NFL. Gosh, so much great stuff today including a mailbag question, YouTube comments or on Twitter at smalls underscore 55 or at LO underscore pack 12 DMS and mentions wide open. I guess it's X formerly known as Twitter. Who cares? It's Twitter to me and to you as well. This from bud hypothetically in 2029, after realignment has produced some tangible benefits, what benefits be those? It has become apparent that four football power conferences arranged geographically, West, Midwest, South, and East, would be more lucrative, more appealing to fans, and logistically wise. If the conferences agree that each should have the same number of members, what are your thoughts on the best number? And given that number, what schools would you recommend be in the Pacific Conference? So I think what Bud is getting at here, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think what he's getting at is there won't be, you know, buyer's remorse to go back on realignment, but people will kind of realize, hey, eh, maybe we should uh, orchestrate this in a geographic sense that, you know, makes a lot more sense and protects the regional rivalries and uh, generalized regionality that has made college football the beautiful spectacle it has been for quite a long time. I don't think that this will one day happen with four conferences. I think it will one day happen with two. Maybe they'll operate under the label of the Big Ten or the SEC. Maybe it won't. But the idea of forming an NFL-like structure of the NFC and the AFC is indeed entirely possible. And I don't think the worst idea in the world, as long as Oregon State and Washington State get picked up in uh, that particular discussion. But if you were to have those two conferences, you know, Chip Kelly's proposal 
I think made a lot of sense. 64 FBS teams at the power five level, 64 FBS teams at the group of five level. And then from there, you have a set schedule of teams that you play every year with maybe a little bit of variation, kind of like the current conference schedules. And then the West one year plays the North and the East plays the South. And then the next year, the West can play the East and the North can play the South. And then the next year, the West can play the South and the North can play the East. And you just kind of rotate this stuff around, but you have protected matchups and rivalries that exist every single year. And I, I don't know exactly what the right number would be, but I think it would just get us closer to what college football once was before all this realignment craziness. So I, I think that if you had, you know, six or seven maybe protected matchups every year that are geographically oriented, you know, for uh, Washington, for instance, they would play Oregon and Washington State every single year and then maybe have five games um, against West Coast teams that they play all the time. And then you can introduce a more national component, right? And just kind of have an expanded version of of the non-conference slate. I, I think that could all be be really, really fun. But I think that that is unlikely, as I talked about yesterday. Like, I think Chip Kelly's idea is great. I think it's fantastic. I think it has a lot of upside to it. I don't think it's going to happen either. I I, I will... Be, this this is almost becoming my catchphrase, much like president's vote on realignment was over the summer. Human beings that have, I'm no sociologist here, but I think I'm on solid ground with this one. I have never known human beings that have attained money, power, and influence to willingly give that up. They've been forced to give it up, but who's going to force the conference commissioners and the TV executives, who are the two most powerful positions in college football, along with the athletic directors and whatnot on the college football playoff committee, who's forcing those people to give it up? I don't know. But on the remorse part, I, I get questions or comments every now and then about, you know, hey, you think people are going to get buyer's remorse and they're going to go back? Nope. Nope. Absolutely not. I think you can migrate towards a model that kind of reverts you back to what you had before, but it will never be as it once was, which is very sad. A couple things here. So I made a couple predictions on National Signing Day. Uh, one of them came true. One of them did not. Washington did move up in the recruiting rankings, and they flipped a four-star safety from Duke. Uh, so they moved up a few slots, and they're coming up on uh, going inside the top 30, which is you know kind of typically where they've been uh, over the years. Arizona did not move up. Arizona actually moved down a slot. I'm, I'm, there's another signing day. I'm not. I'm not giving up on what's happened down there in in Tucson. But just thought I'd update you real quickly on my predictions from uh, yesterday. But something interesting did happen yesterday, or rather, didn't happen yesterday. So Colorado gets a lot of buzz, and early in the year, I talked about them plenty on the show because they were a legitimate story and a massive. Massive, massive shock. And then as the season went on, they were discussed less and less on this show because they ceased to be relevant. And I try to talk about the topics that are interesting and relevant, a combination of the two. That's how I decide what goes into a rundown for a particular show. What's interesting? What's relevant? What's newsy right now that bears opining on? So Colorado hasn't come up on this show for a while. And they're wrapping up my show today because... Colorado 
is a really interesting test case. I am not going to speak about Deion Sanders because it gets people all too hot and bothered one way or the other. To some people, I give Dion too much credit. To others, I am a Dion hater, and you are free to think whatever you would like. So Colorado, from the high school ranks in their 2024 recruiting class, has just six commitments. And one of them, Jordan Seaton, the five-star number one overall offensive tackle, I don't think he's going to end up at Colorado. So the buffs could fall outside the top 100 in high school recruiting rankings, which is pretty crazy for a guy in Deion Sanders. I said I wasn't going to mention him, but here we are. But for a program that has marketed itself as the place to be, you know, we come in and it's all about talent acquisition, everything like that. They're currently being out-recruited by Eastern Michigan, Texas State, Northern Illinois, James Madison, which became an FBS program about an hour ago, Boston College, Marshall, and Tulane. Don't forget Georgia Southern and Liberty. So what Colorado is an interesting test case in is what you can do in the transfer portal. For the second straight year at this moment, might not last, but certainly it'll remain inside the top five at least, or at least the top 10, probably inside the top five, no matter what, Colorado has the number one overall transfer portal class. And last year, portal-heavy teams did not have great success if there was not also an underlying foundation of strong high school recruiting classes. You can look at a place like Auburn, for instance, that I don't know how they've recruited in recent years. They're certainly going to do better with Hugh Freeze as they go forward, but they were not a great team. They had a top five transfer portal class. They were not a very good team this year. You look at Colorado, that was a god-awful team in 2022, brings in the number one transfer portal class and goes one and eight in conference play, four and eight overall. And here's Colorado once again, not prioritizing high school recruiting, but placing a heavy emphasis on the portal. So they have six, count them, six high school commits, and that number could very well drop down to five. Their transfer portal rank, however, they've got 16 commits, and it's the number one overall class right now, even ahead of Ole Miss, and they're loading up in the trenches, which was their biggest area of weakness this year. And I bring this up because I legitimately think this is a fascinating case study. The portal is a big topic in college sports. A lot of people hate it. It frustrates them and players leave too much and they've got too much. Like I, I, I understand fans feelings on all of that. But if you just take a step back and you just objectively look at the situation in Boulder right now, I am beyond fascinated to see if you can almost completely ignore high school recruiting. Colorado being out-recruited by all those places, even when Carl Durrell was there, would have been ridiculous and absurd to say, let alone see in person. The last Pac-12 school or Power 5 school that I saw with a recruiting ranking that low was Herm Edwards, and it was because the NCAA was investigating them. They had all sorts of scandals and whatnot. So they are actively, at least from the outside, is how, is it, how it looks to me, deprioritizing portal or high school recruiting in favor of portal recruiting. They did it last year. And by the way, they were a better football team. They were not a good football team, but they were a better football team. 
And as they go into the Big 12, which is not a very good conference and did not do well on National Signing Day, they only have one class in the top 25, and that's Texas Tech. I am fascinated, to say the least, to see how that works and whether or not you can bring in enough players to build a championship, a conference championship contender, or whether or not the old adage is true, which is recruiting is the lifeblood of your program. Appreciate everyone listening. I will see you next time. And until then, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.